right, good morning. Good to see you guys. I mean, I don't know about you, I'm appreciating a little warmer temperature outside, although it felt like you could chew on the air coming into church this morning. I am wearing a flower shirt because it takes a certain level of confidence to do that as a man, and I know that not all of us have that, but I do, so I'm going to keep wearing flower shirts. Uh, We are wrapping up this series on the Holy Spirit. To be honest, I believe that, that he asked us to do this. I believe the Holy Spirit led us to do this, and I think that it is pivotal right now because I know that there are so many, and, and even some of us, that right now we're living according to the pattern of the world. And God wants us to live according to his pattern, but we cannot do that without the Holy Spirit. In 1 Peter 2.9, it says this, but you are a chosen generation. I don't know about you, but I like the idea of that. Like I wanna be chosen by God to do something. A royal priesthood, that's a little intimidating, but honestly, what that means is God is asking us to be this go-between between him and the lost that are around us. So he's, he's, he's saying, look, now you are a representation of my love, a royal priesthood, a, a, a holy nation. Oh man, I wish I could say that we had that, but we are a part of the new covenant. We are a part of God's people and he has called us to be holy as he is holy. But this last part, a peculiar people. And some of y'all are like, man, I don't know about all that. Problem is some of y'all are way more peculiar than you realize. If you don't know who you are, you're probably that person. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Really, a peculiar people just means you have the possessions of God. And I think that in the times that we live in, it's important that we have everything that he wants to give us. And so, I feel a strong sense of a need to equip you. And this series is meant to be equipment, not just theoretical. This is how we lead our own lives, but it's also how we lead our families. It's how we're effective in a witness. It is essential to our life. There's a lot of things out there that may present themselves as essential. Some things even have the word essential in their names, although we know we can live without those things, although anybody who has essential oils would believe, no, you can't. You have to have them. It's all about the essential oils. But you need oxygen, you need water, you need protein and vitamins and minerals, you need shelter, but I just wanna tell you right now, you have to have the Holy Spirit. He's vital. So today's gonna be a little bit like drinking out of a fire hydrant. Today, we're gonna talk about the gifts of the Spirit. Now, I know as soon as I say that, some of you are like, yes, I've been waiting for years for this. Finally, I get to bring my tambourine and my banner and my chauffeur to church, chauffeur to church, and I'm just gonna say, no, leave it at home. Don't bring all that up here. Unless you playing a chauffeur also means that you can play a wicked trumpet, then we can have you try out for the band. You know, we, we might have that going for you. Or if you're really good on that tambourine, maybe there's a spot for you on the worship team. But no, we're not, we're not saying now it's just time to bring back all the things that some of us have as a context of what it means when we start talking about who the Holy Spirit is. But we do understand we need his presence and we do understand that he has good things that he wants to give us good gifts that he wants to give us. I grew up, a good portion of, of my teenage years was in a real, relatively charismatic church. Uh, and for those of you that aren't familiar with 
church terms. Basically, it was a church that was a little crazy, a little wild when it came to the services that it had. And, and it was different for me because I, I was a little bit of a church muck growing up. I went to First Baptist, I went to Church of Christ. And so when I showed up in this more charismatic or Pentecostal type field church, and there, were, there, was, there was some weird stuff going on. Like there was a lady that would do cartwheels down the aisle. There was a guy that had this hanky and he'd just walk around and just randomly hit you in the face with his hanky. And I was just like, well, I don't want your boogers all over me. I'll get your hanky out of my face, you know? And, but I remember probably one of the weirder things, and, and it was only at the evening services, but there was a guy that played a saw, okay? Like, like a hand saw, and he took a violin bow and played this saw. And it sounded like a soprano just going off. It was the most distracting thing that you could ever imagine happening in a service. It was weird. And if anything weird happens in Christianity, a lot of times it's gonna be around the topic of the Holy Spirit, unfortunately. But I'd also say this, if there is an environment that is dead and dry, it's where the Holy Spirit is ignored. And we don't talk about it. So we're not gonna go into either ditch. But this is the context of where we find these gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse eight. To one person, the spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same spirit gives faith to another. And to someone else, the spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from God, the spirit of God, or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. We're gonna break these down, we're gonna talk about these, but before we do, there is a clip that I want us to watch from our lead pastor, Pastor Rick. We're part of a big, version, a big vision, 17 locations across the state. Our lead pastor, Pastor Rick, he established the church and he just wanted us to share a little bit of his heart and I want us to watch this clip before we continue. I need to confess something as a pastor. I'm gonna take my heart out here. I've seen so many flaky people in churches around this topic that I personally think that we swung the pendulum too far. Why? We're just trying hard not to be spooky and weird and flaky. And there's some big problems with all of that. The first thing I think is a problem is that we are a peculiar people. And there are some strange things, even in the word, that we believe. The virgin birth, that is weird. Jesus walking on water, pretty weird. Demons being cast out of people and put in the pigs and then they drown, that's weird. Jesus raising from the dead. One day he's going to come back, a trumpet's going to sound, and we're going to float up in the air to be caught in the air. I'm afraid of heights. That's, that's weird to me. But... I do know that the things of God do not make intellectual sense. So I have to believe things according to faith. So I'm praying that as long as you are a part of this church, that there are times where you meet the Holy Spirit. 
And I know there's got to be a balance between the way that we teach this and the way that we set the boundaries like Paul so adamantly with preach challenged the church to live. So I do want to welcome the Holy Spirit in what we're doing, but I don't want to grieve him all along. I don't want a church when someone visits that they run out. I want them to see that we love God and we're sincere about it. So I have to make decisions. How are we going to teach this? Where are we going to teach it? How are we going to practice it? Where do we practice it? Prophecy alone, there's just so many false prophets and ungodly chatter, and we trust it because they say, thus saith the Lord. How do we avoid that type of thing? But at the same time, to hear from God, because it's the end times, and it's real. The Antichrist is real. The mark of the beast is real. Just raising our kids, it's real. So let me tell you a story. And when I think about being a dad, I think about that before I think about being a pastor and being married to Michelle. Look, there was a time when I needed the Holy Spirit to help us. I needed a miracle. I needed direction from the Lord. So we started praying. And the reason why is my daughter was sick and Grace was dying. Her hair was falling out and her skin was drying up. She was lethargic. and We would take her in to have blood tests every day and they could not figure out what it was. Some of the reports, it was not good. Maybe she had cancer somewhere. Every organ they checked, it just wasn't working right. So we just continue to pray. And this Baptist lady in our church, in the middle of the night, she had a dream that something was wrong with my daughter's thyroid. I know for sure this happened because of our prayers. This lady called us the next day, if I remember correctly, and she said, Pastor Rick, I had a dream that something was wrong with Grace's thyroid. Now, she tells people this story. I wouldn't tell you, but... We said, what was the dream? And she just described it to us. So the next day, when my sick child was going back for a blood test, we walked in and we said, check her thyroid. And I remember the lady said, it's not the thyroid. You only wish it was the thyroid. And Michelle, who's so sweet and quiet, she looked at that lady and she said, check the thyroid. She said, okay. And later on that afternoon, that lady called me. It might have been the next day. And she said, you know what? It's like a miracle. It was her thyroid. Listen, we were seeking God and trying everything, but we needed a word from the Lord. I've never seen days where we need it more than right now. So don't we need discernment? That would be called a word of knowledge that lady had. And then we had discernment and then a wisdom in it. Through the years, the Lord has been so good to us as a church. I cannot tell you how many times the Holy Spirit has changed people. A moment here and there, a service here, a small group, online. How many times has God guided us away from traps Saved us from many mistakes. Last year alone counts significantly. What makes it even harder for me is that I don't see a church 
out there that is fully listening to the Holy Spirit that I can go and study. So even with that, we have to hear from the Lord. And if God wants us to learn from other churches, like with children's ministry, we go. With youth ministry, we go. With systems and creativity, we go and learn. But here, we're going to have to learn it right here in our house. So this topic, it's huge. Maybe he's wanting us to to listen and lead this way. NLC has been around for 20 years. And I personally see our church like we're 20 years old. We're out of grade school. We're out of teenage years. We don't have a gap year ready to go now. And now it's time for us to grow up. God doesn't have any grandchildren. We have to step out and be our own children. And as a church, I think it's time to step out and to be hungrier for God than ever before. And you too, in your home, as you're driving, at the church, and even in life groups, for us to be deeper in relationships with God. But also, having stronger moments than ever before, where miracles could happen. A miracle for your marriage. A miracle for who you're going to marry. Depression. Difficult times. So here's a question. What is wrong with lingering around the Spirit of God? Maybe at the end of a church service or maybe with a few friends. I know that's where it can get weird. That's why Paul said, hey, you guys are going crazy and there's unbelievers here. On a Sunday morning, we can't just do whatever we want. But interesting enough, at New Life Church, we have everybody on the spectrum that believes all kinds of different ways. And you are welcome here. For example, I am comfortable around this topic more than some of the leaders in our church. But there are some people on our staff who are way more comfortable than me. We're just listening and learning for one another, from one another, and praying about this. There's only two different groups of people that I don't see here much. And that is the people who do not want a stronger relationship with the Lord. I don't see that. And I don't see the people who are in this theology that believe that you're not even around the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit, not even saved unless you have these certain gifts in the Spirit. That's false doctrine and plain weird. But I think we all do merge in this desire to be right with God. So last week, we were all dealing with ice, and it kind of reminds me, if you deal with ice, if you want to know how to fall on ice, just be secure and overconfident. To keep from falling, the best way to do it is to be insecure. Not often that insecurity gives you even more confidence. To me, I think we're not going to walk through this cocky, and loaded with confidence. We're just going to have to trust him, moving slowly in our relationship with him. This is not an essential belief. Essential beliefs are like the divinity of Christ, the Trinity, the virgin birth, the burial and the resurrection, the sacredness of God's word. Those are essential beliefs that we have to have. But this one, it's more of a benefit And I think we need it. So trust me, the most awkward thing that you'll ever experience in your life is around people that have gone too far in this. But there is another way. And that would be the people going to church without seeking the Spirit of God at all. That's why they don't like to be involved in church around worship. 
Some cannot wait until worship is done because they don't even know what to do because they haven't built a relationship with the Spirit of God. And as a father, I'm trying to reach my kids and I know they need a stronger relationship with the Spirit of God. As a pastor, I'm trying to reach the church and I know we need a stronger relationship with the Lord. Recently, I heard a story about uh, a man and his son, and he was a wealthy man. He was his only son. His son was, went through a rebellious season in his younger teenage years, and as he got closer to graduation, the relationship started to get better. Um, the, the dad made a lot of extra effort to try to build this relationship back, and, and the son came to the father, and he said, Dad, I really want this this car for graduation, and it was a really expensive car. And his dad's like, are you sure? Like, that, that's not, you really need that? Is that really what you want? Is that really what you need? And, and the son's like, yeah, that's what I want. I want that, for, that's what I want for graduation. And so as the day of graduation came, that the dad invited the son into his study at their house. And he said, hey, I want to give you your, graduation present and he handed him this box and already the son is mad because it didn't look like a car and he opened the box and there's a bible inside and he didn't even he didn't go beyond that he just put the the bible back down on the desk and said this I'm, I'm tired of this I'm sick of this why are you always trying to pressure me and he just left and graduated, went off, and it was years later. He, he got married, he had a couple of kids, and before they started having any kind of relationship again, again, the father started reaching out and tried to build this relationship with the son, and, and the relationship started to get stronger, and then he was willing to come back. He hadn't, he hadn't really talked to his dad since he graduated and wanted to come and introduce his wife and the kids, and but then right around when they were getting ready to meet, the father had a massive heart attack and he passed away. So then as the only son, he, he had to go and try to get all the affairs in order. And so he went back to the house and he was there and he, he wound up going into the study. And he saw that that box was still there. And so he opened it up and he took the Bible out and he started to open it, and there was a marker in there on this verse in Matthew seven eleven. If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? And a couple pages behind that was a key with a key fob. And the son knew exactly what it was. So the son went out to the garage, and because they were a really wealthy family, there were a bunch of cars in there, but he clicked the key fob, and he could hear the car. And over underneath this dust-covered cover was the car that he had asked for. And the, the dad had gotten it for him. So he got what he wanted, but I don't think he got it when he would have wanted it. But I think the issue is because it didn't look exactly like he thought it was going to look, he resisted it. And I think maybe 
some of us keep missing what God has for us because we don't like how the gift is wrapped. I think maybe some of us, we are missing out on what God wants to give us because it is wrapped in a peculiar way. But we know without a shadow of a doubt that he wants to give us good things. And I want everything that he has for us. So I wanna give you a couple principles around this. First of all, the gifts of the spirit are given, never earned. That's important. No one should act special because they can do something with a spiritual gift. Even the spirit himself doesn't brag about himself. I think the most important thing we can have is the character of the spirit. In Galatians 5.22, it says, but the fruit of the spirit, his character is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. See, the fruit of the spirit are the characteristics of the spirit. And that, that measures maturity in a believer. Like, how can you tell when someone's been walking with the Lord? But the gifts of the Spirit, they're, like, they're more like capabilities. But there's a big difference. Oftentimes, when a pastor falls into sin, and, and unfortunately, we see this hit the news lines way too often. And we'll see this pastor fall into sin. It's horrible, the devastation that it causes. But many times I will hear this reoccurring thing from the people that went to those churches. Man, they were so anointed. That church had never been stronger than it was when they fell. The reason why is because you can have the gift, but leave the character and presence of God behind. And the word says that the gifts and call of God are irrevocable. Once he gives them, he doesn't take them back. But it doesn't mean that just because somebody has a gift, that they remember the motive of the gift. They can walk away from the presence of God and just depend on their gift. I can't tell you how much fear and trembling I have in my spirit that we never do that as a church and that I never do that as your pastor. I don't ever wanna be in that spot. You think about Lucifer. Lucifer was in heaven and he was over essentially the arts of heaven. And then he fell. But I find it interesting that he still spends a lot of time influencing the arts, music, design, acting in all forms, including what happens in Washington, D.C. Influencing because he has the gift. But no one's more further away from the presence of God than Satan. So I think there's a good caution in that. The fruit of the Spirit happens gradually over time by working our faith out with fear and trembling. The gifts of the Spirit can be distributed instantaneously. It's kind of like the difference between forgiveness and trust. God calls us to forgive instantaneously. He does not call us to trust instantaneously. Trust happens over time. So I think it's really important that you understand the gifts are not the goal, but they are a gateway to the goal. The goal is to strengthen everyone in the church in their personal relationship with God. The gifts are for the body of Christ. 
And I also wanna say that if you ever see a minister helping themselves with the gifts, begging for money, they're a phony. They're a phony. Another principle, the gifts are given to all believers. Romans 12, six through eight. We all, everybody say all. We all have gifts. They differ according to the grace God has given to each of us. Do you have the gift of prophecy? Then use it according to the faith that you have. If you have the gift of serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. Is it encouraging others? Then encourage them. Is it giving to others? Then give freely. Is it being a leader? Then work hard at it. Is it showing mercy? Then do it cheerfully. When you got saved, I don't know how many you got, but I know without a shadow of a doubt that you got a gift. And it's time for you to embrace it. It's time for you to lean into whatever it is. I also would say this, we can't have a church that hogs the ball. Like in preaching, if I was the only one that ever communicated up here, it would hurt the church. That's why we have other people that can communicate, like Ricky, and other campus pastors that come in. In worship, imagine what it'd be like if for the last 10 years, Ethan sang every single song. Well, it would be great, but I think it's even better to be deep and wide, to have other people that are given an opportunity to use their gifts. Could you also imagine what it would be like if we never found out how anointed Hannah is or Daniel or Melissa or any of these other people that lead us into his presence? I want to address a little bit of theology. Denominations can be split over the relevance of these gifts in the here and now, and a lot of it is around their interpretation of this verse. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 8 through 10, it says, But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. So there's two different stances on this scripture. One stance says that that perfect is the Bible. So some think that what is called the canon of the scripture, when that happened, when that was complete, that that is perfection. In other words, when this was established, all those other gifts ceased. But what that would mean is there would not have been a miracle for the last 2,000 years. Not one. I'm sorry, my personal experience is that's completely false. Because I've seen miracles. I've experienced these gifts working in my own life, in other people's lives. So the other says this that it's when Jesus returns, that's when the perfect comes. And when Jesus comes back, you're right. We won't need prophecy. We won't need healing. We won't need any of those things because he's perfect and he's gonna make all things whole. That's the one I believe. 
We're not here to solve this debate today. Literally thousands and thousands of books have been written debating this. But what I will say is this, both of those camps have failed miserably at loving one another and in many ways because of that have failed loving the lost. And we're not gonna be that. So the nine gifts, back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse eight. To one person, the spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same spirit gives great faith to another. And to another or to someone else, the one spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown tongues or languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. So I want to say, too, that these gifts can move sometimes. In other words, I've experienced some of these gifts just as the Holy Spirit is moved in a moment and in an instant, but not necessarily as a result of somebody possessing one of these gifts, if that makes sense. And, and sometimes I'll be able to step into one of these gifts just because the Holy Spirit allows me to do it for someone for a particular time. It doesn't mean that I am always walking in that gift. But I wanna talk about these categorically. First, I wanna talk about the gifts of revelation. Okay, the Holy Spirit is like the central intelligence agency, but he is timeless. Like we speak about the present and past with some amount of intelligence, but the Holy Spirit speaks with us with perfect knowledge of past, present, and future. That's why the Bible says that no one should say, I'm gonna move to this city or to that city, or I'm gonna do work here or do business here and then move over here. Like we have to ask the Holy Spirit, is it your will? Do you move us? So these gifts, number one, the word of knowledge. So this is divine knowledge to help us know God's will. An example of this in my life is when I received my calling, and stepped into my calling. I've shared my testimony. I was at a summer camp. I had planned on going to a university down in Texas, but I had four different people. Two of them didn't know me. None of them knew each other. They came and gave me the exact same word. The word was this. God sees you as someone that has a heart like David and he wants to use you to do great things, but you need training. And where you're planning to go to school, you cannot get that training. Same word from four different people. That was a word of knowledge that helped me understand what God's will was. We also have a word of wisdom. And this is just divine wisdom to really perplexing problems and situations. It's not one that you're gonna know because of head smarts though. It's like God, God gives you supernatural ability to say, man, I think I know what you should do. Okay, and then we have discerning of spirits. And this is divine revelation and insight to detect warnings from the Holy Spirit about whether something is from God or from the enemy. Funny story about this. When I was in Bible school, we did, a, we did a lot of different conferences and stuff. And one night we had this service that we were facilitating for some high school students. And we had an altar call at the end of that. 
And so myself and a lot of the leaders who were helping facilitate, we were down there and we were praying for people. Uh, this young man came up to me for prayer and the band was playing super loud. Sometimes a band just gets lost in their own world when you're doing an altar call and they don't realize, man, it's hard to hear down there. And so we're just praying for people. But because I was having a difficult time hearing, I asked this young man, like, you know, what was your name and what do you need prayer for? And all I heard was drinking. That's what I heard. Okay, so I started praying for this young man and I cast down the spirit of alcohol addiction. Like I bound that thing up from every generation. Like there, I, 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 I'll tell you what, man, I just, I prayed fire down on that young man. Like he was never going to ever, ever again have any struggle with drinking. But when I said amen, and I opened my eyes and stepped back, this young man had this look on his face. And that was weird to me, but I was like, I don't, I don't know what his problem is. I pray good. Like, but it just kind of stuck with me. So as soon as the service was over, I went to his youth pastor. I said, hey, man, I pray for so-and-so. And, uh, man, it was weird because I prayed for him. He kinda, he's like, yeah, he talk to me about that. I was like, what was what going on? He's like, man, he came up. And when he, he is like one of the, the like most godly young men that we have in our youth group. Like he just has such a tender spirit. He's convicted so easy about things. And recently he feels like he's been drinking way too much Coca-Cola. <laughs> he felt convicted about that. So he's just asking you to pray that he wouldn't drink so much Coca-Cola. I was like, well, he will never struggle with alcohol. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> That is a fact. So I may not have the gift of discerning spirits. That may not be one of mine. But you, if you want prayer over stuff you're not struggling with, I'm your man. You'll never struggle with it. There's also the gifts of inspiration. Okay? So the fourth gift mentioned, prophecy. So this is speaking divine words, not yet conceived by human thought. And some, like Pastor Rick said, get way off track here. If you are going to speak prophetically, it has to line up with his word. He is not an author of confusion. I think it's very, very, very important that you are careful with thus saith the word, the Lord type language. But I do think like if you feel like the Lord is leading you to speak something, he can do that. I've, I've experienced this before. I'm not suggesting I have a gift of prophecy, but there's been people I don't even know who they are and the Lord will lead me to go and, and talk to them and pray for them and I will pray and I'll, and I'll just say, I feel like the Lord is saying this. And it would be about a business decision or about a relational decision or something like that. And there's no way I would have known about it. But it encourages them. And it helps them either be encouraged to continue doing what they're doing or be convicted that they haven't been doing what they knew that they should be doing. Okay, so that can happen. Unknown languages. Now, this is the one that I think is the most misunderstood and also one of the most abused. Unknown languages. So this is an utterance given by someone 
that is not their native language, okay? In other words, if they're able to speak in a language that's not their native language, but they don't have any intellectual knowledge of what they're saying, but this is not the same as a prayer language. Prayer language is not even a biblical term, but we do know in the New Testament that there were three different times, types of supernatural languages that people experienced. In the second chapter of Acts, you can, you can read about this on the day of Pentecost. And when you study the original language, I believe all three of those supernatural languages were expressed on that day, okay? So there's tongues of men, which is where you would speak a language of a known language, but one that you don't know. So it'd be like I walked into some village in the Middle East and I started speaking in perfect dialect the gospel of Jesus to that village and I have no idea what I'm saying, okay? Tongues of men. That happened on the day of Pentecost, okay? All right, and then there's the tongues of angels. Okay, now this is just a heavenly language that isn't spoken anywhere on earth, okay? And, and, and that's given as an encouragement to the body of Christ, okay? And then there's a tongue, that's called a tongue of interpretation, tongue for interpretation. And then I do believe that God can give you your own personal private language that's just between you and him. And if you have any questions about any of that, I'd be happy to talk with you or any of our staff or leaders would be happy to talk with you. But I wanna talk about the languages that are specifically for the building up of the church. My personal prayer language, it'll help me and because it helps me, it'll help me pastor and lead you better, but it isn't necessarily for this whole room, okay? But there's also the interpretation of unknown languages, okay? So the tongue for interpretation has to be coupled with this gift. And I don't see this operating in churches in America, not in a healthy way, not in a way that's, that's true. I have seen this happen in other countries. I have seen this on the mission field. And that's where somebody will stand up and, and they'll come to the pastor and they'll be submitted. They're not trying to create distraction, but they'll come to the pastor and say, I feel like I have a word from the Lord, but it's, it's, it's in something I don't understand. It's in a language I don't understand. And so the pastor will give them permission. Okay, you can give that word. Okay, so they'll give it. And you can imagine that that's a little bit weird and peculiar. Like this guy just starts spouting off in some language that nobody in the room speaks. And then as soon as it was done, he'd say, okay, do any of you that have the gift of interpretation want to interpret this word? And in my experience, I've seen people immediately stand up and say, I want to interpret what the Lord just spoke. And then in the language that everyone understands, They'll give the interpretation, and it is so powerful. It's amazing. So that's what that is. It's someone that has a tongue for interpretation and someone that has the gift of interpretation. Now, the tongues of men, I've heard stories. I've never experienced it personally, but I have heard stories, and I know some of these missionaries personally, and they've never lied to me, of people that have walked into villages in South America, where they speak a different dialect. They've walked in and they start speaking what they thought was just their personal prayer language, but just loud enough that people could hear it. And it turns out they're speaking the gospel in perfect dialect to that village. And you can imagine if some white people walk into a village where they've never seen white people, 
And all of a sudden, those white people start speaking their language perfectly, telling them about Jesus. I would imagine that some people would probably get saved from that. The point of all these gifts is to build up the body of Christ. It's to draw people in closer intimacy with God. It's not about attention. It's not about distraction. It's not about confusion. And we're never gonna let it be those things. If you've been here very long at all, you know, we're gonna let the Holy Spirit operate, but we are not gonna let people make it about them. And then we have the power gifts. That's another category. The gift of faith. The gift of faith. Now, this is like a, a, a divine ability to believe God without any kind of human doubt. Man, I'm jealous of people that have this. Because I want to pray for people and have absolutely no doubt. And so I've, I've, I have the faith that I'm believing like, right, I believe, I really do. But there's always this thing in the corner of my mind where I'm like, yeah, but. I don't know, I don't know if it's gonna happen, but people that have this gift of faith, they have no doubt whatsoever, no doubt. And a lot of times the people that have the gift of faith also have this next gift, the gift of healing. So this is is a divine gift that they can pray for sick people. And those people receive healing from heaven. It isn't that they have the power. They have, they're a conduit. They're just a conduit that God's power moves through. And then the working of miracles. So obviously healing is a miracle, but this are, these are other events that can't be explained with, with the natural. Uh, this happened in our lives. Cody was in a car wreck a few years ago and... It was, it was so bad. She, uh, she was coming back from, from Batesville. Y'all, y'all know the highway from Batesville back to 167, it didn't used to have a turn lane. It used to be four lanes, but no turn lane. So she was back behind this truck in the right lane, went to pass to go around, and somebody was stopped trying to take a left-hand turn. So at 65 miles an hour, she plowed into the back of these people. And I got the call. She was in Batesville at the hospital. So long story short, I remember when I went to get the stuff out of our car, I'm telling you, I looked at the front of that car and I looked at where she would have been sitting. There was no space for her. There was was no way that she should have walked away from that accident. She did walk away, but she had it a crack in the top of her leg. And so we went to see a friend of ours who's an orthopedic surgeon. This is when we lived in Conway. And he said, you know, we'll have to get you in, get an MRI and all that kind of stuff, find out what's going on. But he's like, but we're gonna pray for you. So we prayed. That, the next day, that pain was completely gone. Completely gone, completely healed. So it was a miracle, first of all. 
but she didn't die. But then the miracle went on when she received healing. There was no scientific or medical explanation. We've seen that a few times when she had skin cancer and God healed her. You know, she, she doesn't, doesn't necessarily have the gift of healing or the gift of miracles, but she's constantly a part of it. Not me. I just have a hard time discerning spirits, whether people struggle with alcoholism or too much sugar. This is what I do believe. God is going to pour out his spirit in the last days. And I just don't want us to miss it. I don't want us to miss it. I don't want you to not experience everything that he has for you. We're not gonna do an altar call for the gifts. But I think the most important thing you can do, go seek him. Go seek him. The word says, seek the gifts. Seek the gifts. And I do believe this, if, if it's in your heart, you want more of God and you want some of these gifts, start asking him. Start asking him. And I believe that he, he will give them to you. And if at one point or another, you want people to pray for you to receive more from the Holy Spirit, then we'd love to pray with you about that. It'd be our pleasure to. Tonight, we're gonna have our night of worship. We're trying to let that be a service and a time that we're not as constrained within time. I'm already long in this service where if the Holy Spirit wants to do something, he wants to move and he can do that. And we've already had some of our youth come up and give a word of knowledge in those services. I mean, we, it, he's already been moving and it's encouraged everyone. But right now, I just want us to worship. So if you will, let's just stand. And uh, I don't know where the team is, but you guys can come out. Because I'm for sure I don't have the gift of music. I mean, who knows? Let's try. Let's just. But, but we do have people that are gifted. Let me pray for you. Father God, we do come before you and we th we're thankful that you give good gifts. We're thankful that you gave us your spirit. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for helping us. And we want everything that comes from you, but we, we want it all to glorify you. We want it all to, to be something that'll encourage your bride and build us up. We want when you move for it to be something that the lost run to, not away from. That the lost desire and have a hunger for, not are put off. So we humble ourselves before you. We just ask you, move however you want to move. And I just pray that our hearts would be open to that. In Jesus' name.